Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. We're your co-hosts. Today, we're so excited to welcome Jen Allen to the podcast. Jen, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I feel super special. Well, we've, <laughs> we've really been looking forward to this. So we'll just give a brief introduction of our guest. Jen Allen grew up in West Jordan, Utah, and earned a degree in English from Brigham Young University. She says she was sidetracked from her initial plan to teach English to instead manage events in the craft and scrapbooking industry, which at the time was a hugely popular industry. That's right. <laughs> for the past nine years, Jen has worked as the director of events for Family Search, where she organizes Roots Tech, which is a massive genealogical conference that has grown from an in-person event in Salt Lake City to a full virtual online event for global audience. And it's free. We just wanted to share some really cool facts about Roots Tech Connect in 2021. It had more than 1 million participants from 240 countries with experiences in 11 languages. And we are so excited to hear more about how Roots Tech has evolved and what's planned for Roots Tech Connect coming up March 3rd through the 5th, 2022. So we'll jump in now with the questions. And Jen, as I was looking forward to this interview a few weeks ago, I was with some family who don't live in Utah. They were asking, who do you have coming up on the podcast? And I, I mentioned we'd be interviewing, you know, the organizer, the the head honcho of Roots Tech. And they were like, what's Roots Tech? What, what is which, that? I know, yeah. which shocked me. But I mean, they don't live anywhere near Utah and they never would have attended in person. But that's what I love about the evolution of Roots Tech and now how it is becoming something that's more accessible to people everywhere. So tell us and be thinking of these people who've never heard of Roots Tech, what is Roots Tech and why should we be excited about it? Yeah, so Roots Tech really is a family history conference. That's how we started over 10 years ago. And we did. We gathered at the Salt Palace, for those of you who are around Salt Lake City, and had thousands of people join us. And it grew it started very small, but just continued to grow. And the last event, in-person event we had, you know, there were over 60,000 people there, which is wow. kind of busting at the seams mm -hmm. in the Salt Palace. And who knew that a pandemic would, first of all, affect all of us, let alone events. And this great conference that had grown to be such an incredible experience for those who did travel in for it and come— but we were forced to look at new opportunities and start looking at what an all-virtual event would be. And we weren't the only ones. There were event managers all over the globe who had to adjust everything we had planned for. My team, we were extremely skilled at setting up the chairs, talking to the fire marshal, making sure the lines are in the right place and the classrooms are working the way they, they need to. But now we're becoming experts at creating experiences on a website and working with engineers and developers to make sure that everything is set up the way that the customers and the attendees would expect it. So RootsTech truly is an experience to come and learn and discover not just about yourself, but your family, whether they came before or even are still living. I think that's the thing about family history that a lot of people think dead people, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not. I honestly do more family history for me and my children who are still living right. and my husband than I do even for my ancestors. So in a nutshell, Roots Tech is just a really fun family history experience. And don't panic when you hear the word fun with family history. I promise it really does work. <laughs> it, it is possible. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, this is just such a completely different world for you and your team, having to now facilitate hundreds of thousands of people online and make sure it's a working experience, a mm-hmm, meaningful yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. I just think that's incredible. Yeah. Well, and I do want to take this chance to applaud you in that in crazy 2020, I had to make that quick pivot mm-hmm. into 2021 and that you had such a successful event last year and are charging forward with this virtual event coming up in March. So I just want to yeah. applaud you. your efforts. You. I think that's awesome. It, being an event manager is tiring and we know what we love and what we're getting into, but it was definitely a challenging year to think new and big and We opened it up to the world, like you said, and over a million people came from all over the world. And yeah, thinking about 11 languages, it was really tough, but such a fun challenge. And successful. Well, we just think this is so cute. So you have three boys. They're 14, 13, and 10. And they say that you have a very important job, which I love. (laughs) (laughs) And it's very true. But we would just love to know and hear from you what all does your position entail? What do you do? Well, I appreciate my boys telling everybody that I have an important job. That may have been me brainwashing them when they were little, (laughs) saying, I'm sorry I can't come into your class today. I have a really important job, right? And talking about family history. And they're so sweet to accept that. And I feel like they've just taken that in stride. Mm -hmm. But being in this job and this position, there's so many things that you have to think about and manage. And kind of the mantra of any event planner is that just plan on nothing going right and then there will be no surprises. And it's true. There's so many things that can just pivot and go wrong and it's really all about how you handle it in the moment. And the virtual world is the same, but totally different challenges. Different challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're not having to worry about EMTs and accidents happening with Mm -hmm. so many people being there. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Now it's, will that button work and will the right language come through on the video when you say, I want to listen to it in Mandarin, will that actually work? So there's just so many different things you kind of have to think about. And in the customer service world, we had thousands of volunteers and family history department employees who were there at the ready to help and thinking about all those aspects of what are the unknowns that are going to come up. But a lot of people ask, how big is your team? How many people, you know, assuming that it's really big. But we really don't. We have about 10 people who full-time work on this all year long, but in different aspects. One or two of them are really focused on all the marketing and the communications, and others are focused on the exhibitors and sponsors, speakers. There's just so many aspects that you really have to look at and just help make sure that it seamlessly comes together and is executed in a way that makes sense and provides an opportunity for people to learn and truly discover their family. I'm loving hearing this background. And I do think it's good for people who don't work in events to realize Mm -hmm. you're working on this all year long. In an article we read, you said you reevaluate for a couple weeks right after the conference, and then you spend the whole rest of the year getting ready for Mm -hmm. the next year. And I can appreciate that as I tune into Roots Tech or or see what's offered and what's available, just the work that goes into it behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we kind of work in event years, not calendar years. So I'm just grateful you've all caught up now to 2022 because we've been saying that for the last (laughs) year. Year, yeah. Um, But yeah, we're already talking about 2023 and what's going to happen and what's the future. So it really is a all year long effort, really even longer than a year, but we take a small break, 
but not much. <laughs> we just yeah. jump, jump right, right back, back into in. it. Yeah. I want to go back to your kids for a minute. You mentioned that, I mean, they grew up with a working mom, someone, a mom who was working full time. And I just would love to know how they feel about family history. Is it something that they're sick of? Is it something that they love? What do they think about it? <laughs> you know, I love that, that they've kind of grown up with family history in their life. But I will admit right now they are not like super indexers. They do not love to go find records and, you know, clean headstones. and <laughs> <laughs> No, but they do love the stories and they always have. My oldest son is really into war history, World War II specifically. So when he was really young, he had some mental health challenges that we didn't actually know about at the time. But to calm him down before going to bed, we would open my grandpa's photo book. Hmm. Uh, and it, it's all when he served in the war. And he died when I was eight. So I know nobody in these pictures. In fact, he's rarely in them because he was the one taking the pictures, I assume. But we would open it up and just tell stories and sort of pretend what could have been happening during that time. And then that grew into him truly discovering and doing the research of the ship that my grandpa served in, both wow. my grandpas actually. Wow. And so... It's the stories that they really get into. And my middle son loves to talk about his living cousins. So he'll go on and write stories about the Halloween activity we had or what we did during Christmas. And he tags all his cousins in it. On family search, you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's all about the living experiences and living part of family history. So they really have grown up with family history. But we're like I said, we're not... Um, hardcore genealogist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, when I was interviewed for the job years ago, I said, is it a problem that I don't have a family search account? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> today, that's I, an easy fix. <laughs> yeah, I think today most people have an account. But back then, I just, I didn't. I'm not a genealogist, but I had been in the event management field for a long time. So, you know, when I got this job specifically, though, it was it's a hard decision. Do I take that leap and will my children be okay? I came from a home where my mom worked my whole life too. And I'll never forget the conversation. I call her and I was kind of crying, just a little like worried. I said, my kids are going to be okay, right? If I take this job, like I turned out all right. Like <laughs> they're going to be just okay. looking for that assurance a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And being a working mom is definitely a personal choice and everybody has the right to make that choice for themselves. I love the way my children have grown to be pretty independent and figure things out for themselves. But knowing that mom and dad are always there, I'll tell you the pandemic has kind of changed that too, because now we're home more, both me and my husband, even though we work. And so being there more to pick them up and bring them home is kind of a different spin on being a working mom. But Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I love these ideas that you've shared with us about how we can involve kids without being professional genealogists. I've even noticed that with my little three-year-old. He loves hearing about grandma and grandpa and what they mm -hmm. did when they were younger and seeing pictures. And that's pretty simple and easy and accessible for us to do. We don't have to know like the 600-page volume of our great-great-great-grandfather and those stories. You know, there's some accessible things we can do. Well, and there's the technical side of family history, like you mentioned, the indexing and the record finding and things like that. But then I love the shift to more of the stories. That just seems more meaningful and then more doable as mm -hmm. well. And we've been laughing lately because when my grandma died, my dad, he has her tablet 
that that she had right before she passed away. And so my kids love to play on it. And we were just like, that's your great grandmother's tablet. And it's so <laughs> funny because it's like not a family heirloom, but it's just, to me, that was so close. I mean, she was so close to me and it's not that far away, but it's just like, that's one way that we can incorporate her into our lives. And my kids know who she is. Remember and we her just and, yeah. can then talk about it. Yeah. Anyway, well, I love that focus on the stories. You say it's not an heirloom, but today it well, is. I, I know mean, that will <laughs> the strange world that we live it's in. It's not like a necklace or like pearl earrings or something. I it's certainly so won't have any china sets or like <laughs> right? hutch furniture to hand out to my children. So it's changing. You know, yes. our heirlooms are different. Yeah. Yes. Well, we want to go back. We mentioned that you earned a degree in English from BYU and said that you'd kind of planned on teaching English. And we're curious what took you away from that initial plan? What drew you into event management that many years ago? Yeah. Newsflash, I was not a very good student. But I had an English teacher who really was fun and engaging, and I felt like she cared for me. And so when I graduated, I said, I want to do that. I want to mean something to these kids who are trying to work their way through school who maybe aren't as scholarly. And, you know, I don't want to teach honors English. I just wanted, like, the true, real kids, right? So I was really excited to do that. But as I started getting into schooling, I've always loved to write, but mostly to edit. And so I really got into editing a lot. And I thought, I'm going to go work for a big editing firm. And then I realized that was really hard because I just couldn't get a job anywhere. And honestly, in the end, I got a job with a scrapbooking company, a manufacturing company called Making Memories at the time. Shout out. (laughs) (laughs) And it was kind of my first job out of college. I was a sales assistant at first. So it was just kind of my first job. And The person who was running all of their conferences and events and expos left after about a year of me being there. And I was kind of rose my hand and I said, I I think I'd be really good at that. I'll I'll do that. I'll try that. Yeah. And so I kind of just fell into it, but I loved it. As you mentioned earlier, for those of you who don't know what scrapbooking is, go ask your mom because she (laughs) probably did it a couple decades ago. Every woman was very involved in scrapbooking, it felt like, for a while. And so I worked in that industry in the height of scrapbooking, and it was so much fun. We had a blast going to events all over the place. And it's funny now because there are degrees and programs for event management. They didn't have that kind of thing when I was going to college. So I love that they're kind of training more people coming up through the college ages. But that's how I kind of landed in it and loved it. And then the job kind of went away when scrapbooking fell really fast, really, really fast. And our company went under and I was laid off. So it was kind of an interesting period as I sat there and decided, what's my future? Am I just going to hang out with my children? I was actually laid off when I was seven and a half months pregnant. Oh, Oh, wow. So it was horrible timing. And my husband at the time was studying for the bar here. We had lived in California and he'd been attorney there, but we moved back for my job, actually. So... We were like, what are we going to do? And anyway, I don't have to tell you the whole sob story, but I stayed home with the children for a couple of years just thinking, okay, yeah, I could be the soccer mom. I can hang out with my kids. And then the church called a couple of years later and asked if I was still interested in a job. So that's how that whole thing happened. (laughs) I love hearing that story. And as you're talking about scrapbooking, that's not very far of a leap to go from scrapbooking to family history. I mean, scrapbooking is preserving family history. And yeah. history. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's why it was so fun. Again, I didn't have the family search account. 
But honestly, the clientele and the customers that I was working for in one industry was pretty much the same yeah. as I came over here. Just less glitter stickers and <laughs> like tape, right? <laughs> but in the end, it's the same thing. A lot of people wouldn't call your photos on your phone family history, but it absolutely mm -hmm. is. Again, you're not printing them out and taping them to a page anymore with glitter, but it's now the decision of what you do with that digital photo that's on your phone to mm -hmm. preserve it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is the right time, but I give this analogy a lot that when my grandparents have passed in my life, I, because I work for the department, I, I don't know why, but I'm the one that they're like, here's all the boxes. How fun. <laughs> yes. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so now here I am digging through dusty boxes that nobody's touched for years, just trying to make ends meet on what— Makes what, sense of yeah, everything. What are these pictures and who's in them and who, you know, what's important? What do I keep? Well, when we pass— not to get morbid, but our children, they won't be digging through dusty boxes anymore, but they're going to have hard drives and mm -hmm. cloud storage passwords they'll have to get into. And it's like, how do I navigate millions of mm -hmm. photos yes. and determine what's important and what's not? I mean, that's our future, right? Mm -hmm. Again, we're not forced to print them out anymore, but what can we do to help our children understand our legacy rather than just digging through millions of photos? And I don't know if you're like me, but I have, I don't know, 15 shots of the same pose yes, because I'm like, sure. oh, one of those will be perfect, right? But I don't go through and clean those up as much as I should, <laughs> but I should be, right? And anyway, so family history is definitely in that crafting and scrapbooking part of the world too. It's just sort of evolved and here mm -hmm. we are. Well, and I actually always think about that with our social media accounts. I think about the future and like what my kids might think about it and what they'll get from it. And so I try to be meaningful about what I post about them and events in their life and events in my life. And I hope that it'll be something that's valuable to them. Yeah, and it will be. So it's good that you think about that. Not everybody does. So it's good to think about that. What you're posting really will become your legacy and your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This strange, like, digital evolution just over this short time. Like you said, scrapbooking just been dropped long. off so quickly with the advent of everything going online. And yep. it, we are in this interesting time mm -hmm. to be thinking about how do we preserve these things? How do we make sense of them? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, Jen, you mentioned that you didn't always have a passion for family history. <laughs> but we would love to know, what are some of the experiences you had, especially in your current position, that sparked a love for family history for you? And are there any particular stories that have been especially meaningful? Yeah, so as I came in and started working, very focused on the event side of things. But it's incredible when you stand in a room and see thousands of people flooding in like it's the opening gates of Disneyland. <laughs> so excited to be there and can't wait. They have their book in their hand and all the classes they want to go see are circled and highlighted. And you watch that. And I had only been, my first event, I was hired on about five weeks before Roots Tech. Oh, wow. So baptism by fire. I just ran in and did everything that I could to at least help. I mean, I wasn't managing the event at that time, obviously, but just helping execute. So I'm only five weeks in the job and I'm watching these people come in so excited. And you start questioning, why am I not excited about this, <laughs> right? And there's something about working for the family history department that definitely turns your eye and your heart to it. And it, really the biggest thing for me was when I got my first 
calling to be a family history consultant. By the way, it like comes with the job. Like eventually, <laughs> yes, there's you just will. an assumption. That's right. right. That's right. They're like, oh, oh she good. works for Family Search. <laughs> right. She knows everything. <laughs> and you kind of roll your eyes and think, okay, how can I do this? But it's incredible actually sitting down with somebody and helping them. And seeing the light in their eyes as they discover whatever it might be, um, a family member they didn't know about or a story that they had never heard, even just looking at their family tree. And a lot of times it comes with understanding where they came from, like who came before them, what part of the world did these people have experiences, and you start falling in love with just the learning process. So helping other people is really what turned even my own desire. And when you have to help somebody, you need to know what you're talking about too. <laughs> so as you start diving in and experiencing all those things for yourself with the desire to help somebody else discover their family, that's really how my experience became more personal. For myself, there's so many different things. We talked about my oldest son, Isaac, as he experienced and learned the World War II stories. He was so young when he really got into it. And there was a school project. I think he was in maybe second grade. Pretty young, yeah, right? To, to be, be really into the war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he has this little book that I've taken pictures now and put on Family Search. But it was this project where he had to learn about one of his ancestors. It was like scrapbooking because he had to print out the pictures <laughs> and like write out the stories and seeing your children learn that too, similar to anybody that I may have helped, any friend or neighbor as well, but just seeing the light in their eyes kind of open up as they discover these people who had life experiences before them. And my children specifically learn about their ancestors' trials and their the hardships and Especially, again, for my oldest, he's experienced probably more hardship than the rest of my kids, at least emotionally. And it's fun to see him discover that his grandpa also had hardships, mm -hmm. that there are things in life that are just hard. And it's okay. You'll get through it just yeah. like he did, even though they're not similar, right? Mm -hmm. He was in the war. My son's not in the war, right? He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to school. It's no big deal. But to him, it's a big deal. So. Yeah. And I know there has been research that talks about children who learn about and know their family history and these stories, it gives them resilience. Yes. And like you said, they did hard things, I can do hard things. And I just think this is really beautiful and motivating to hear you talk about how helping other people kind of ignites that passion inside. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I have very little experience doing family history, but I think what's cool is we hear so much about it and I think there can be some guilt, obviously, mm -hmm. associated and like, oh, I don't really like it, oh, I don't really do it. But it is in the doing of it that it's like, oh, I actually really enjoy this. And we've talked about here before, like Shailen's talked about discovering stories and pictures and things, and you do get kind of sucked in. Mm -hmm. So I think it's in the doing and knowing that the doing can look different for you at different times of your life and different phases. And yeah, it doesn't always have to look like the genealogical researcher in the depths of the library. Right. And the worst part about the job is the guilt feeling that everybody has. Yeah. <laughs> you, the last thing you want to tell somebody is, I work for the family history department, right? And then they're, the instant is, oh, I'm sorry. Like their shoulders shrink like, down. I'm so and sorry like, that I don't do apologizing I don't, to you. I don't really do that, <laughs> you know. To you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing that I'm always kind of preaching, if I that's the, the wrong word, but 
you are doing it. And that's what's so hard is quit feeling guilty. You are taking pictures. You are having memories and experiences Mm -hmm. with your children or your family or your friends, whoever your tribe is. And you are. It's okay if you're not logging into Family Search and posting it there. That would be great because, like we said earlier, at least it's less for our posterity to go through. But you are doing it. You are taking pictures. You are having experiences. It's just now what and how do you want to preserve it? Mm -hmm. Well, we love having our guests come and, of course, talk about their professional experiences and personal experiences. But we'd also love to know a little bit about your spiritual experience as well in the job that you're in and in the field that you're in. How has being involved in family history strengthened your relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm so glad that you asked this question because— That's what it's all about. And it's funny that family history sometimes is this outside experience. And it's one of those extra things, I think, in a lot of people's minds. And might seem a little separate. It's a little separate from the doctrine, the gospel, the true experiences that we have. But when you look at everything that's tied into the gospel or the church, it's rooted in family. And the knowledge that our families are literally eternal is something so special. And there are a lot of people in this world who do family history and genealogy who are not members of our faith. In fact, most of the people who come to Roots Tech are not. And they'll sit there and ask us all the time, well, why do you care? Why do you care so much? And I'm like, why Why do you you care? care? Yeah. And it's always a fun opportunity because it really does open up a gospel discussion on how we believe that families are eternal. But it's interesting to me, you know, again, I'll go back to my son and his example. When he does get the opportunity to go to heaven and see his grandfather for the first time, he will know him. Mm -hmm. And that's so special to me to think of those heavenly reunions when we all get back together, that there is a purpose and a meaning. Yes, Going to the temple and performing those ordinances for your ancestors is the whole reason, right, we exist. But for me personally, it's even more so is just knowing that our family is eternal and that we will be together again, all working together in heaven. And just understanding that Christ loves all of us. Heavenly Father loves every single one of his children on this earth, and he wants them all to be discovered. And there are many, there are billions, Mm -hmm. in fact, that have not been identified, and we want that to happen. So just seeing that love that is given from our Heavenly Father to every living person on earth is so special to me. And then making it more personal, just creating that love and building the stories with my own family so that the love can continue when we Mm -hmm. all pass on to the other side. Thank you so much for sharing that and those personal experiences and how you've developed your own love and passion for family history. We mentioned earlier, going back into Roots Tech and into your job, you've been doing this now for nine years, I think you said. What over that time have been some of the biggest highlights that you look back on and just hold on to and cherish and and smile about? There's a couple different ones, but... The first one that I really remember standing there, it was a particularly stressful day. It was 2015, and we had booked um, a very special keynote for us. It was actually former First Lady Lara Bush, and we actually invited her daughter 
Jenna Hagerbush to join us as well, which we don't do very often. But for this particular experience, it was going to be a lot of fun, not just to bring somebody in to talk about family, but to bring families together, literally, Mm -hmm. on the stage. Anyway, it was a super stressful day because we had the bomb dogs coming, the Secret Service. They had to, you know, sweep the whole place and things that we weren't really used to or prepared for so much. So we're running all over the place just trying to prepare for her to make her arrival. And plus, you have thousands of people out at the at the conference center having— yeah, it's just bustling yes, along. Yes, yep. yes, yes. So, so busy. Um, but we finally got it all in place. There's thousands of people in the room. And we have a beautiful stage. And Lara takes the stage and just starts talking about her stories, her experience personally as former first lady, but also stories about her children. And then— Jenna came out and they sat on the couch together and Jenna's asking her questions. And Lara is going through the story about how Jenna, when she was little, was sleeping over at the White House. I mean, how cool would that be, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenna is talking about how she's sleeping at the White House with Grandpa at the time, who is the president, obviously, of the United States. And she lost her slipper out in, like, the yard. Is that what they call it? I don't know. <laughs> in the bushes. Yeah. Okay. And she's crying to Grandpa, who is President Bush, and saying, I lost my bunny slipper. So the president of the United States is outside <laughs> in the dark looking for— for his granddaughter's bunny slipper. slipper. Yes. And I'm listening to the story and everyone's just laughing and loving the the fact that they're telling the story. And Jenna was like, I've never heard this story before. And here we are unfolding right there on stage, this family experience and discovery experience together, but also letting all of us peek in. So I'm standing at the back of the hall watching them with my headset on and everyone's like talking in my ears because that's what we do as event managers. There's all sorts of things we're trying to do at the same time. But I'm like crying and so relieved, I think, of the stress that I had been feeling, but loving that it worked out that we had these two beautiful and incredible women on the stage who exude strength in their own right, but also having a discovery experience. And later that day, as Lara came off the stage, she thanked us for allowing her daughter to be there with her because for most of her engagements, she doesn't have family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she said, we had a beautiful dinner the night before. We were able to just spend this time together. Thank you so much for letting us come together. So that was a big moment for me. We had been working on bringing some incredible people to the stage, and that one was just top-notch for me. So, so much fun. That's amazing. I love that. And that highlights the remarkable and incredible guests that have joined Roots Tech Mm -hmm. over the years. Yeah. Our keynotes are some of the most high profile, but just a lot of fun as well. They've turned out to be a lot of reasons why people come. The year we had Emmett Smith, for example, the guys were like, why would I ever go to a family history conference? Wait, you have Emmett Smith? Yeah. Okay. 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 Let me go see what that's all about. Right. So, so much fun. The second one I would just mention briefly, we had an experience or a year where we planned an event for London specifically. And It was before the pandemic year, it was the most challenging event to plan. From the beginning, we said go right up until literally the first day of the event. It was so hard. Everything was hard about it. And it was actually a huge testimony building year for me and the whole team because it was just so, so, so tough. Um, But when we got to the other side of that event, it turned out to be the most special because it was so hard. 
but the experiences that we had there were incredible. Some of the best moving the work experiences that we've had for the family history department. So just an incredible experience. But yeah, leading up to, I would not have said that. It was horrible. <laughs> it, looking back yes. with the perspective you have now. That's right. Well, thank you so much. I love hearing those highlights. Mm -hmm. For the past couple of years, Roots Tech, like we mentioned, has had to function a lot differently from the just this massive in-person conference that it was in the past. What will it be like this year and how can we participate? Yeah. So the great thing about the pandemic is that it's all virtual and all free. So we talked about that earlier, you know, before when you came to the South House, there was a cost because it costs us a lot of money to put on the event mm -hmm. and to have chairs and <laughs> a venue. But when we went virtual, we knew it had to be free. It was actually a really hard decision, though. What do we do? We've always had a cost to this. Mm -hmm. But when you're inviting people to come from Peru and South Africa and China and the United States, you can't charge for that. It's how do you, you know, it's like, do, do you figure out how much you charge one part of the world versus the other? It's just too complicated. Mm -hmm. And we wanted all complications to be removed. So... The event is free and it's all virtual. And a lot of people say, well, how do I join? Well, you just literally type in rootstech.org in your browser and you're there. So the event is March 3rd through the 5th. Three days of experiences from main stage with keynote speakers, like we said. And what's cool this year is our keynotes are from all over the world speaking different languages. But also the conference is available in 11 languages. Now, there's even more than 11 languages because some classes come in in Mongolian and Thai, all sorts of languages from all over the world. But the core of the event is available in 11 languages, which has been incredible and challenging and fun in its own right. And unbelievable. That's mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. That is quite the effort. Right. So taking it out to the world was really the best thing that happened with the pandemic. And seeing now over a million people that have participated in the conference we had last year. And we're expecting big numbers again this year. It's easy, though. What's great about that is you don't have to worry about those millions of people. You can just be in your home and your slippers and jammies and watching whatever part of the conference that you want. So there are four main parts of the event. The main stage, like I mentioned earlier, that's where a lot of the keynotes and we have some really fun dance and food segments and travel segments and storytelling this year. So you're just going to see so many great things and stories from around the world. So mm -hmm. really celebrating the global nature of families and family history. On top of the main stage experience, we also have an expo hall with companies from all over the world who have products and features to help you. And it's not all about records and dates. Like there's some companies who sell really beautiful family tree charts that you can print out for your mom for Christmas or photo organization products that will help you. So the expo hall is a really big part of it. The main reason that Roots Tech exists is for the learning. So we have over a thousand classes that are available to you in the 11 different languages. So you can jump on and find out how to do Irish research, if that's where your family's from, or even just how to strengthen your faith in Christ through family history. So there are classes for all walks of life, whether you're a beginner, 
a professional, whether you are a member of the church or not. So lots of experiences for everybody, and it's totally free. And then the last part that's really a lot of fun is the ability to connect. Last year, we had an experience called Relatives at Roots Tech. We've actually had it for a few years, but it was a way for you to literally connect with living people all over the world. Other um, participants, right? Yes, other participants. Well, someone totally reached out to me last year, and I feel bad because I couldn't help them <laughs> with what they were asking, but it was really neat. We never would have found each other in a thousand years if it weren't for right. this experience. I love that you shared that because it was such a fun experience to see. I mean, you could click on a part of the world, right, and see how many living people that are connected to you in that part of the world. It was so much fun, but there's also ways to chat and communicate with each other when you're at the, the event, commenting on classes, and just that ability to connect people from all over the world. So we're really looking forward to this year again, March 3rd through the 5th. You can register today or follow us on all of the social media channels for details and updates and so many great people and experiences and classes that will be coming together to bring Roots Tech to you. Amazing. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And I think you've highlighted so well that this is not like a general conference experience per se. No. Like you said, bringing in voices and people from different backgrounds from all over the world. And what I love is that they're all sharing the love of family and connection and heritage. And what I think, as you were describing all of that, what that says to me is like, there's something for everyone. Like you said, depending on your level of interest, whether you're a member of the church or not, whether you're a person of faith or not, it's like there's something there for everyone. And it's just so awesome. So we'll be sure to link to some of these resources. People can go right on to rootstech.org for more information and to register. So Jen, just as we wrap up today, we wanted to ask, as we do most of our guests, if there's anything else that you would want to share with the women of the church or those listening to this podcast. Oh, I just love what you're doing here to celebrate so many incredible women as I was preparing for this and looking at the incredible guests that you've had on this. There's just so many and I feel inadequate, but sort of just a shout out to women in general who were just normal, right? <laughs> Is that is that a is that a word for yeah. for women? No, no woman is normal. But I'm just a mom who's trying to make it, and I, I show up to work. And you know, sometimes work is easier than raising the three kids. Sometimes raising the three kids is easier than work. Right? We just go through challenges every single day. And so I'm in awe of women in general who are incredible people of faith who work so hard every day. And there's so many of them who are in the shadows and would never need to be brought out to be on a pedestal. And I appreciate that. And I recognize them and I champion all of you, woman or man, to do what you can to shine in your own right and discover your stories. Well, thank you so much, Jen. This like I said, we were really looking forward to this, and it's been so fun to just chat with you about your experiences and how amazing Roots Tech is. I'm, I'm excited, and I mm -hmm. hope our listeners are excited, too, to participate. So thank you for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much, Jen. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. We hope that you'll continue to tune in, share this episode with your friends and family members. We've been so grateful to hear from so many listeners via email and on Apple Podcast Reviews, and we hope you'll continue to share your thoughts and feedback. We love hearing from you. You can contact us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org with any suggestions for topics or guests. 
We also want to make sure our listeners are aware that the podcast is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. So keep this in mind as you are sharing that in addition to being on the church's website, it's also available on the Gospel Library app, Saints Channel mobile app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere. So tune in, subscribe, and please continue to share these incredible voices and stories of women of faith. Finally, we'd like to thank our wonderful editor, Kurt Dahl, and our producer, Matthew Mangum, and the many others who support this podcast. Until next week, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks for listening. Thank you.